This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with singer-songwriter Izzo Fitzroy and it's delightful. Uh, Izzo's wonderful as you are about to find out before we press play on that little natter I have to do a few thank yous I want to thank Scroobius Pip uh, and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network Off The Beaten Track is very proud to be part of that network um, I'd like to thank the Blue Murder Club podcast it's an amazing true crime podcast and it's the team over there that produced this uh, pod for me so thanks to those, go check that podcast out and the biggest thanks. You know where they're going. They're going straight to you. You and your ears. Um, just thanks. Fast approaching 500 episodes. It seems mad to think that a podcast, you know, that, that is anywhere near 500 episodes. But I'm going to tell you this. I'm not bored. I'm not bored. Like, what better way to spend an hour than jumping on Zoom or jumping in a room with some incredibly talented people and just kicking back and talking about records and, and finding out about their their lives and their creative journeys is fascinating. It, honestly, it brings me so much pleasure and, uh, and none more so than, than this episode today. You are, you are really in for a treat. Um, so thanks. Thanks for supporting Off The Beaten Track and uh, and expect some, some big things when we uh, get close to 500 episodes. Um, uh, are we done with thanks? I think we are. Um, so this is a bit where um, I ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you uh, to have a little look on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen uh, to this podcast on and just press follow or subscribe. And while you're there, if you've literally got 10 seconds, it will take 10 seconds, leave a little comment you know, or review um, because that stuff really, really helps podcasters. And, uh, and, the, and the more people that hear this, you know, the better. There's some amazing stories from some incredible people, and, and I just want more people to hear their stories. Um, and then, other than that, what else you could do is you could pop onto Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter and just search off the beaten track and give us a follow, a like, a love, a share, a retweet. You know the, you know the stuff. All of that social media stuff. Um, other than that, I'm going to tell you about Patreon. And this is, you know, this is the bit that all the podcasters do. This is the, 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 the cap in hand bit. But it matters. It really does. Um, as I said, close to 500 episodes, all there for free, um, two a week. Um, you can support the podcast by becoming a Patreon. And being very aware that this country's on its arse, um, and we are in a cost of living crisis. I make it really, really cheap. It's uh, it's a dollar a month, so that's seventy p a month. And and if you can spare that, let me tell you what what you get for it. So you get um, access to a back catalogue of hundreds of episodes, hundreds of video episodes, because each week you can watch these chats. I put the videos of all the chats up on Patreon. So if you like to watch. Uh, your, your, your podcast, then you can do that. You can go and see what all of my beautiful guests look like and uh, unfortunately you will have to deal uh, with my big melanid. Um, other than that, um, I put up little radio shows, lots of playlists. Obviously, I put up all the guest playlists as well. Um, little mixtapes. Uh, they're something that um, I try and get a couple of them out each week over there. And what you get once a month as well is a live show. 
and that live show, you can be really involved in it if you want, or you can just have your camera off and your your mic off and just uh, enjoy it as a spectator. But once a month, we uh, we throw an invite out for free to all the Patreons, and we jump on Zoom. And we pick a question from the podcast and everybody can get involved. Everybody can talk about a record uh, and the memories and the nostalgia attached to it. And it's lovely. We're getting a really lovely little gang there. Um, I'm actually recording one um, tomorrow night. Um, but it won't be tomorrow night by the time this uh, episode drops. And and they've become one of my favourite things to do each month. And uh, you can go and have a look in the, the back catalogue. I think I've, I've released a couple. So you can go and listen to how they are and they're they're totally non-judgy no it's not like the call police are there going well actually my first record was this obscure thing that i heard on john peel in 1978 it's not the case um it's it's just a lot of fun and uh with lots of very very kind people uh, and i'd love you to all come along and experience that and that all of that stuff is like i say 70p a month and uh if you can spare that 70p jump on for a month come to the live show absolutely rinse the back catalogue and then unsubscribe and uh but you would have helped the podcast right uh the show the link to that it's patreon.com forward slash off the beaten track but the link to it uh, to it is in the show notes so um if you want to go and have a little look you can head over there for free the press plan a little video and and i'm sitting there telling you all about it so you can do that for free and if you can spare that's 70p for a month, then uh, it will be much appreciated. Right, okay, let's uh, let's stop with the, uh, the, uh, the, the cap in hand stuff and get on to the good stuff. Please enjoy today's episode of Off the Beaten Track podcast with the delightful Izzo Fitzroy. It's Off the Beaten Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Give me stew with him. We are recording. Izzo, how are you today? Yeah, I'm really well, thank you. It's really nice to be talking to you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Where Where are you today? Where's home? I am currently in West London. I'm in Hammersmith at the moment. Oh, nice. Not too Which far. Is home. Not too far. Ridiculously windy in London today. Yes, insane. I am. I have got a massive kind of unruly dog who uh, who I tried to take to all the, to, just to take out to a park this morning. They were all shut. So I had to go, um, I went to Richmond in the end, but I think there must have been a lot of wind damage. Yeah, absolutely. Right, well, look, let's jump straight into your song picks and get this playlist started. Um, can you tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please? Mm, uh, yes. So I was thinking about this for a while and I was thinking, oh, I could go with some kind of epic 70s rock, which had those kind of, five minute intros but actually the the first song that popped into my head was um harry belafonte um jump in the line um and i was always quite a big um fan of beetlejuice Mm -hmm. so if you can remember that that ridiculous scene so that that was one thing but i just thought it's it's the one intro every single time it comes on whoever i'm with everyone jumps out of their their seats and starts dancing it's just got such a great joyful kind of um vibe to it so yeah that's that's the one for me it's, like, it's got a lot of sort of calypso feel to it hasn't it yes exactly it's it's just sunshine isn't it it just yeah. takes you to like summer and drinking on the beach and yeah. yeah it's it's so great so with that in mind and and to touch on something that you said previous to that you know you you considered one of them sort of like big five minute epic 70s intros but you went for something that's very instantaneous um mm. When you're writing music now, mm. the way that we're seeing people consume music, um, we're seeing very fast-moving thumbs that the attention spans seem to be getting shorter, and people want mm. that that blast of of hook, chorus quickly. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's wrong. But I'm going to ask you that with that in mind, and and you know these. You know, record labels putting emphasis on things like TikTok being a useful means mm-hmm. to get your music out there now, and the the desire to get on the right Spotify playlists. It seems to have shifted a little bit more from, say, twenty, uh, maybe even sort of, yeah, ten years ago of, of wanting to get on radio. You know, radio was always where it was at, and it seems to be shifting a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And that shift also does seem to involve, you know, the, the sort of shortening of attention spans. 
is I've asked this question about 400 times. I've never managed to frame it exactly how I want to frame it. So bear with mm -hmm. me. But I just mm -hmm. want to know, does any of these kind of trends in how people are now consuming music in these bite-sized ways or the, the, the you know writing something that's bang, starts with a chorus to get on these playlists, does any of that ever filter into your creative process? I can very honestly say no, um, but I think I'm, I feel like with my age, I'm 37, I'm a bit, I feel like I'm getting into this cantankerous, rebellious stage of like, I'm not going to follow these trends. Yeah. And, and it, it definitely brings up this real resistance in me to, to reduce something that could be so, um, I hate the word organic, it sounds really wanky, but um, that could just be flowing and long and just a journey mm -hmm. i you know i that's what i love when i listen to music is listening to the the journey of a song and if you're cutting you know seconds here or there and trying to make it as um impactful as possible at the start of the song it just loses that and i think you can always tell when someone's crowbarring that kind of structure into a song yeah totally um, yeah, and it, it just feel, feels so wrong to me. So I think I go the other way of wanting to do, you know, eight-minute songs. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Does that something that, that, you know, you said that you can hear it when people sort of crowbar that, that snippet in to grab you right from the off. When, as somebody that, that, that makes music, do you, can you sit back and hear a track on the radio and just take it on face value or... Is it in your nature as as a, as a musician, as a songwriter, to deconstruct it and look at how it's put mm. together? Oh, hang on, I wouldn't have done that with a course. That could change my mind. And like, do you know what I'm saying? Do you, can you just yeah, go yeah, yeah. just listen to it without sort of looking behind the curtain? <clears throat> uh, it, you know what? I the good thing is I'm I was never very theoretically taught myself, so I never go oh nice whatever it is G minor seven there. I I never know those things, <laughs> yeah. but. But if I if I hear like a really good hook, like a really catchy chorus, I'll be like, that's great, that's yeah. amazing. Um, that's kind of the stuff that I pick up on. I think I can, you know what, I can appreciate a really well written song. Like I can, there's a formula definitely that I can hear a lot on radio too, especially. Yeah. Like that is a beautifully crafted song. Mm. But I also feel like I can hear when people are writing for radio too as yeah. well, yeah. which which is something that again doesn't sit particularly well with me but but it can be a really well crafted song by fantastic musicians yeah. at the same time there's there's definitely been a big influx of male singer songwriters in the vein of Ed Sheeran in the last 10 years that are writing songs for radio to 100% 100% and you can hear it a mile yeah. off <laughs> okay well look is I'm going to take you back and I'm going to ask you to tell me the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Yes. So the, I immediately went to not necessarily the song, but the, the singer when, okay. when you got with this question and I thought about the voice, a voice that stays with you and kind of haunts you from the get go. And you immediately, are, you know, looking at, cassettes as it was back when I was a kid of like, well, who is this? Like, what, who is this person? And it was Bill Withers. Yeah. Um, and I'd already heard Lovely Day, mm -hmm. or, you know, and known that there was this great voice, but it was Grandma's Hands. Yeah. And I think there's nothing musically that happens in that song. You yeah. know, it's just that rhythmic guitar behind that ghostly voice. And just even as a kid, those lyrics are so simple. But you can you can feel the emotion behind his voice. But I think it's you can even hear as a kid the depth of what's happening in those lyrics. You know, you can take it as just, you know, words of yeah. this lady picking up, you know, I, her grandson falls down and all these different images. But there you can feel the depth even as yeah. whatever age you're at. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Where would you have heard that? Where was home? Home was Suffolk for me. Um, and my mum's parents lived up in Scotland. So I remember always doing these massive car drives up north. Um, 
and I my my sisters and my brother are a lot older than me so they'd always be picking and choosing music but occasionally my mum would get one in and it was always Bill Withers with her so um so I got to know his music so well yeah. but it was grandma's hands I think is yeah that simplicity yeah. of of the way he wrote songs it's it's really strange that like every time I ask this question everybody has completely different answers but the amount of people that will go in my parents car <laughs> yeah and I wonder if that's still a thing I wonder if oh you know, mm. young people now are headphones obsessed screens. with their phones, screens. Mm. Like, does that day of, you know, you've got six tapes in the car and, like, they're probably yeah. going to be on rotation for the journey to, to wherever. I wonder if that will be as powerful a platform to, to get exposed to music and, to you know, staring out the window thinking, Christ, how long till we get there? But, yeah. you know, having to listen to you know, whoever's in the car's choices to to put the tapes on. I never thought about that. Yeah, you're right. That kind of, the way boredom is such a special thing, yeah. I've realised, of having that time and that space to be bored and then let that music sink in. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Rather than a million different things happening at once and watching screens, you're not letting that kind of audio yeah. sit as deeply as it would otherwise. Yeah. Hmm. Tell me what the exact emotion was when you heard that Bill Withers track. Um, I think curiosity, because there's something about, you know, when you hear a really good storyteller or a, a voiceover, you just want to lean in. Like that curiosity and... Uh, and listen, you know, wondering who, gra yeah, wondering who grandma is, yeah. basically, the whole way through of, you know, these cracked hands, and you get more of a sense of her as it goes on. It, not necessarily more curious about him, but yeah, more curious about grandma. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't think I felt any, there is a sorrow in that song I've, I hear now, obviously, but yeah. of, of Bill lovingly speaking about her, but there's a there's a real sweetness and a love there. I think that's what yeah. that's the curiosity. Yeah. Tell me about the song that reminds you of your time at school. Oh God. Um, yeah. So this, I was thinking, I went to an all girls Catholic boarding school, um, um, which was an interesting place run by nuns. Right. And uh, so I kind of took myself back there, thinking, you know, um, was that in Suffolk? That was no, that was in Ascot actually. Um, but I was thinking of the amount of times, you know, again, no phones, what we would do, listening to what was out at the moment. It was Natalie and Brulia with Torn, was like the massive pop single of the moment. Yeah. So you can imagine all these very kind of emo teenagers staring up at their ceilings, kind of singing Torn. So it's not the coolest answer in the world, but I just have so many memories of walking into friends' rooms and every single one being yeah. her, <laughs> lying, looking up at the ceiling, listening to Natalie and Brulia. But it, you know what? It's it's a banger of a tune, and I've only just realised it was a cover. Yeah. Um, I, a, uh, I was a Swedish I was, duet or something, wasn't it? What's that, sorry? Was it a Swedish duo? It, it was. That They didn't write it. It was, um, oh, God, I forgot his name, but he came on the podcast about, oh. a year, about six, seven months ago. And uh, and and he was a f uh, absolutely fascinating fella that um, I ignorantly hadn't really heard much about. Turns out he wrote the baseline for Love Cats for the Cure, then joined the Cure for years, then oh took a bit God. of time out, wrote two number ones for um, Pixie Lot, and and he said, oh, "I wrote this other song um, for for um, a soap star called Natalie and Brulia." I went, "You wrote Torn," and he was like, "Yeah," and like, and I was looking over his shoulder into his, and I went, and he said like where he was living. I was like, "That explains what paid for that house." Like you wrote Torn, and like, yeah, it was, uh, and but yeah, it was. You are right. It was written for um, a, 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 a a duo that that had mm. sort of moderate success across Europe with it, and then add the. The beautiful soap star from the nineties and 
Yeah. There you go. There's your hit. Exploded. I mean, yeah, it's an amazing, even if it comes in, you know, comes on the radio, whatever today, yeah. it's like, ah, oh, it's still, it's still just as good as it was then, I have to say. Absolutely. Absolutely. That video is entrenched in my brain as well. Yes. Like, yes. I, oh, my goodness. I'm not ashamed to say, like, I, I, I would have been probably like 19 when that came out. I've never bought a calendar in my life. I had a Natalie Imbruglia calendar. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh my god. So what what month was um was torn like the kind of in the jeans and the short it, hair? It was this, I mean that haircut we should say as well. Every single girl that was going to any clubs that I was ever at at that time, they all had that haircut. Literally, so long true. hair disappeared, and everybody had the Natalie and Brulia cut. Oh, I love that you had a calendar. That's amazing. Oh my so gosh! <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me a little bit about school. You know, to, to, to boarding school um, for me was something that I was threatened with by my parents when I played mm-hmm. up that I was going to get sent to boarding school, and that terrified me. And I've, I've spoke to many artists. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. That, you know, on this podcast that have been to boarding school and had quite fond memories of it. Um, I don't know if I'm being too judgy here, but the thought of going to a Catholic boarding school run by nuns <laughs> sounds terrifying to me, but, but tell me about the reality of it. Uh, the reality wasn't as, as stark as I imagine it is in your mind. Yeah. It's not like, um, I think of the extreme of like the Magdalene sisters. Magdalene sisters was the first thing that was at the front of my mind. (laughs) Yeah. So it wasn't, and it is for me too, when I think, oh, you know, Catholic boarding school run by terrifying nuns. But actually, no, they they were lovely. The nuns were lovely. Um, We were able to be really badly behaved and they were pretty relaxed. Yeah. So for me, boarding school, I don't think it, it is, you're very restricted. Of course you are. You're kind of, we, we we were trapped in these grounds, but it did mean that you do um, embark on these incredibly close, amazing friendships with people who I'm still friends with, you know, a dozen of my close school friends, really, really close with, because you have so much time. And like you, like we've talked about already, not having phones, not having distractions. Yeah. You know, we were writing music all the time. We were listening to music. You, I think there was a lot of space to be really creative. Yeah. So I have really happy memories of, of being at boarding school. Um, albeit, yeah, it always feels like it's sort of dredged in this, this very dark yeah. kind of Catholic rigidity. Was you a creative kid? Yes. I, yeah, I was. I, I loved, I was thinking musically... Not until I was about seven, when I when I could work my way around the piano. Um, was there one at home? There was one at home, definitely, because I all my sisters and my brother. I've got, I'm the youngest of five. They all learned to play piano, and music was always like a big thing in my family. So there was always like flutes and recorders and guitars and pianos and things like that lying around. Yeah. Um, my poor sister, who's two years older than me, 
she was learning piano and I was that annoying little brat who competed and then tried to learn everything better than her. So she gave up and then I was just playing away. But, um, but I, I loved writing songs, I think from seven and I, yeah. So I think musically definitely from that age and liked drawing, liked writing stories. Storytelling was always a big thing for me. Was that kind of creative side of you encouraged at school? Ooh, um, at secondary school, I mean, at any school. Mm. No, actually, now you say it, weirdly, the boarding school that we've been talking about, I did find my creativity there, but not the way that they wanted me to. So you'd have these very rigid, miserable piano and singing lessons. But because I think they were so miserable, I taught myself guitar and me and friends would then, you know, write songs together and muck about in the music school and yeah. do all sorts of stuff. So yeah, it, it it's out of strictness and feeling a bit trapped, bred another kind of creativity. Yeah. Did you know what you wanted to be when you was at school? Oh, no, I don't think so. Um, I I knew I loved music and I knew I had a kind of flair for music for... I'd never, I, I was always thought of as a really bad singer at school, which uh, is funny now because people talk about my voice, but I would apply, you know, I always wanted to do drama and be an actress and they would never give me the singing roles. Um, other than Judd Fry, I played Judd, because it was an all girls school. Yeah. I played the terrible rapist Judd Fry from Oklahoma, yeah. aged like 15. But again, they, they did, they wouldn't give me any of the uh, singing parts, but, um, but no, I didn't realise I wanted to be a musician till way later. Yeah. Um, much, much later in life. You said that you wanted, you know, you enjoyed acting and you liked being, clearly, you know, you're somebody that likes being on stage and, and you, you look very comfortable when you're on stage. Has confidence ever been a problem? Oh, yeah, massively. Um, I think I had, it was quite interesting. I, um, when I was about 22, I trained to be a voice coach. Uh-huh. So and that was in terms of like working with actors, learning about accents. And it was a year long, really intensive course. I think similar to what a what a kind of actor training course would be. Yeah. And before I did that, I thought I was this really kind of extroverted, really confident person. And then I realized actually, no, I'm quite an, a shy introvert. And it was all a slightly yeah. Uh, a sort of fake approach to life that we all realise a bit later on. Yeah. Um, so no confidence, authentic confidence has been a slow, a slow growing thing, I think, into my 30s, for sure. And as as much as we start, you know, I, I think grow more comfortable in ourselves as, as, as we get older and, and into our 30s and such. Do you ever... Do you ever suffer with imposter syndrome? Do you ever find yourself around, you know, other, you know, creative talents and think, oh my God, how am I here? And I'm taking nothing away from your, your talent, of course. Um, but I often ask guests this and I'm surprised when I've, I've spoke to, I've, I've had one of the Foo Fighters in here just say, oh God, if I walk into a room, like the imposter syndrome kills me. And I just think, you're in the Foo Fighters. Like, how can you, how can you? But I also think if you don't have imposter syndrome, I think it's, a little narcissistic to, to not, yes, not yes. have a bit of that. Like, so tell me about your relationship with it. With impo- it's funny you said that because I I've been recording in the studio recently, and it's what's very new to me is is performing with guitar. And I sent this to a friend of mine who's this unbelievable um, multi instrumentalist, and I went, "Can I have I got away with it?" Was the first thing I said because I've got imposter syndrome. So, my God, I suffer a lot, and I. I'm very lucky that I play with some absolutely extraordinary musicians. Yeah. And every time I'm in a room with them, I'm like, I, I sort of slightly <laughs> become this childlike person. Of, Is that okay? Am I doing it right? Even though I feel like an accomplished yeah. musician, it always, it always creeps its way in yeah. somewhere. But I, I also love people who are, I'm the same as you. I think of, I love people who have that vulnerability or that slight, insecurity about them rather than the other way yeah which is just yeah arrogant and narcissistic absolutely yeah tell me about the first song you remember buying from a record store please is that oh uh so 
first song, I'm trying to think of the record store I bought it from, um, which was Notting Hill Music Exchange. Oh, which what is still a there. shop. Such a good shop. Oh, and I, I went in there the other day and it's just, nothing changes. Yeah. It's still the same people, I think, who've been working behind the yeah. desk for 40 plus years. Making but... me feel uncomfortable for 40 years now. <laughs> Doing that yeah. little judgy look down their nose when I ask yeah. for something like I should have been into it 10 yeah. years before. <laughs> yes. It's high fidelity oh all day long in there. <laughs> oh, it's so, you're right. And I'm always one of those being like, have you got, have you got this? And then there's the, the sigh of disapproval. <laughs> like, oh. like, well, one minute I'll be, I'll be five minutes in the back. That's funny. where I get my imposter syndrome record shops. <laughs> oh, actually, do you know what? And that is where a lot of arrogant people probably work. Oh of like, God. Um, oh, it is true. But I do love it as well. The, the snootiness. Oh, it's, I, it's I, part of the experience. Yeah. And I'll never match up. It's like, yeah. um, uh, oh fuck. I can't remember the what was the Jack Black film High Fidelity yes High Fidelity yeah. it's totally that isn't yeah. it they nailed it that's brilliant <laughs> um, but I do remember going in and asking for and probably being you know stared down at that moment in time as well I must have been 16 but I asked for um, Thriller Michael Jackson yeah um, I mean Killer then, Killer now, uh, yeah. just such an insane track. Um, and that I think that was the start of my foray into all of Michael yeah. Jackson's amazing music. Oh, ridiculous. Um, I, but even teenagers today, I'm thinking teenagers in hundreds of years' time, they're still going to be like listening to Michael Jackson for the first time. He's always going to be this kind of futuristic god, yeah. I think. It's it's perfect pop music. It doesn't mm. get any more perfect and and there's a lot of it as well. It's not mm. like he's got ten tracks that are killers. He's got shitloads. And and you talk about Thriller and, and and as an album as well. Like and it was only the other day that I was talking about intros to, to one of my mates. And he went, Has anyone ever chose Billy Jean? I was like, no, I don't think so. Mm. And I was like, why has no one ever chose Billie Jean? Just mm. that snare of that, that, that. Oh, my God. As soon as that yeah. comes in, it's like, here comes Billie Jean. And then you've got the bass line. And, then, and one of the things as well, like, I'm actually looking at a little, I was really lucky that many, many years ago, I, got, I didn't meet him, but I got a signed picture of Michael Jackson. He's just literally just out of shot there. And, uh, and And one of the things that as much as everybody talks about how incredibly songs are you know what a performer he was like his voice is unreal and what mm. where i think a good place to to, to find that out with any of his records but if you listen to can you feel it by the jacksons mm. Right? Mm. in that band everybody's got amazing voices mm-hmm. and for the first verse and chorus i think it's jermaine uh and then when you get that other oh, people love and, it, and it's michael sings it's like, yeah. oh my god, he's just took it from like seven to like twenty-seven. It's like, oh yeah, and it just cuts through, and it's like oh. his voice is ridiculous. I've got goosebumps talking about this. It's yeah, like, yeah, it's that's the best place to really work out just how good his voice is. He leaves the rest of the Jacksons just trailing behind as he just grabs that song and runs with it. Because it's note, I'm I'm in that bit now as we're talking about it. It's like note perfect, and it's so high and yeah. p- it's the pureness of that tone yeah. you're right but it, you know they're all fantastic in their own ways but yeah. he just elevates it with that but he i mean he had such a gift my god yeah. i don't think i ever heard him sing a, a dud note no no not at all not at all mm. oh, solid choice solid choice um i'm gonna um ask you Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, I, I spoke about confidence uh, a little while back, and you've chose um, an insanely difficult um, industry uh, to have success in. Tell me about your relationship with Drive and how driven you are. Ooh, good question. Um, I think my drive in the last, I'd say post-pandemic actually, has just kind of skyrocketed. Not for the reason that you would think in that, you know, we've been stuck indoors, but I think, and, and now we've got, it's the time to kind of really go for it. But for me, I've realized recently that drive, when I take it away from me and my own ego of I want to be successful or I want to, you know, whatever, I want my records to do really well. I Now I see it as like a service I do. And if I remove it from me and I'm like, this is something I love doing, I know it's having an impact when I do gigs. So I just need to do more of it and I want to do it well. And, and the group dynamic that we've got at the moment as well we all feel the same thing it's like it's not about us looking cool or any of that it's just about can we get this to more people that would be lovely but at the same time we're having such a good time doing it that's about as driven as it gets for me I think it's like I like to be of service and I know that what I'm doing is is doing good for people it's it's bringing people joy that's yeah that that drives me for sure what else can you give people other than joy? That's perfect. Exactly, exactly. Wow. So, I mean, that like, live gigs, oh, my God, it never gets old. It's like, it's just so fun, especially because I've got this kind of big gospel element and I have up to six singers sometimes. And I, I sing with a massive gospel choir, so I know the impact it has always, like these yeah. beaming faces. We are, I sing with this choir, Soul Sanctuary, and we do a, a gig in St. James's Church in Piccadilly. Um in the square like once a month yeah and the amount of like passes by it's like every time it's addicted to people they're just like what is this yeah and so i feel the same with my music in a different respect of bringing people in i get people to get involved i very much want it to be like a a group thing with the audience um yeah so as an artist that seems to really enjoy that sort of camaraderie of being in a you know, a, a, a large, a large group of, of, of creative people and, and, and voices and, and also that love of performing. Tell me how you found those two years of lockdown as a, as a creator. Um, oh, as a creator, uh, the, the funny thing is the first thing. Well, professionally and personally, that, I guess. Too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, personally, I was thinking I loved it. That's terrible to say that. But I, because I'd been away so much yeah. and like on the move, being grounded and at home oh, was so nice. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. I'm a real homebody. Yeah. I'm not kind of designed necessarily to be touring all the time. So yeah. I, oh, I enjoyed it so much. But I did realize, okay, you know, now's the time for me to write a new album. Nothing. You know, you're not, everyone's talking about COVID. No one's going to see anything. You're not seeing your friends. You're not having interesting conversations. So there's just nothing to spark anything. And that was um, concerning, but also quite um, interesting for me of like, oh, wow, can I pull resources from elsewhere? So I ended up just scrapping music 
for a bit and doing like learning about composition, film composition and and um, illustration and all sorts of different things because I thought that would impact music at a later date. So, so um, your professional kind of head was saying, right, I've got time, I need to mm-hmm. make a record, but the creative juices were just going, nope. Yeah, and I've realised now for me, I only write when I want to write. Yeah. So like I used to try and really force it yeah. and get sit at the piano and swear at my piano and just nothing <laughs> would come. And just and then, you know, open a beer or whatever at yeah. two o'clock as what happened in the pandemic. But yeah. um but it yeah, it was really, really frustrating. And then it takes me, I think, a while to go, okay, this is exactly what I'm gonna be writing about. And for my last album, I was really lucky. I wrote most of it in Holland. Um, so being somewhere completely new after that, that kind of being shut indoors, yeah. being in a new bustling city with new kind of energy around you, just, I wrote about 10 songs in three days. It was crazy. And I'm never, that's, yeah. I'm not as driven as to say, I'm going to write a song today. Yeah. It's just not the way I work. Yeah. So let's go clubbing. Tell me <laughs> the song that soundtracked your years clubbing. Um, so I went to uni in Glasgow right. um, and I lived there for about seven years. Best, best city in the world. It's so good. And I still go up there quite a lot. And um, you used to go, the main club there is called Sub Club, down under these arches. And the song at the time was Over and Over by Hot Chip, oh, which, I mean, actually, that could be the greatest intro as well. It just, mm. again... As soon as that song comes on, whatever age you're at, it's such an addictive rhythm and groove to it. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just very vibey. It's just such a sexy kind of underproduced track yeah. in a way. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's amazing. So was you a big clubber when you was in Glasgow? A, a fake clubber, I think. What's a fake I was clubber? A fake clubber in that. All my mates loved clubbing and they were into Gabba and I was like, oh God. Oh so God. I would, I know, I know. <laughs> and I, and so I, I was the sort of, I'm making friends. <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to go clubbing and go and listen to Gabba um, for hours. And God. then. Um, You'll be telling a therapist about that one day. I will, I will. <laughs> it all started with Gabba. <laughs> yeah, but like, all, exactly. The nightmare of Gabba. So yeah, I'd say fake clubbing, but that song it was not fake clubbing. That song, yeah. I it would come on and it would just, I wouldn't stop, be able to stop dancing. But yeah, compared to the Gabba, yeah. I mean, that song was glorious. Wonderful. I'm going to take you home for this track. And it's a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot of amazing artists from London. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my favourites, who I think is so underrated, is Jamie Woon. Mm. who um what i like about jamie woon is he doesn't try and fit in a box he does not try and write songs for specific radio stations he does exactly what he wants to do and i think the result of that is he has such an authentic kind of cool air about him and he writes these amazing vibey songs one of which is called sharpness Mm. um I don't know if you know it, but oh, it was... I, I, no, I'm very, very uh, big on Jamie Wong. And, oh, yeah, he's... And, and for this, I I caught his um, uh, Jules Holland yeah. live performance of it. And it was him, and it was uh, a friend of mine that I know that was back, one of his backing singers. It was him kind of, and this other guy sitting on stools, looking really cool. Dave Akumu, who I'm a massive fan of, on guitar. And it's just... The coolest song, I think. One of the coolest songs ever written. Like every time I listen to it, I think it is perfect from his beautiful, soulful voice. And then those when those synths come in to yeah. that, I guess that pre-chorus, it's so cool. He's uh he's so overlooked. And mm. I think it was it was when I first heard I heard Lady Luck. Uh, when mm-hmm. it, and I was like, "Oh my god, what's this? This guy's voice is ridiculous." Mm-hmm. And then I bought Mirror Ryan, wasn't it, the first album? Yeah. And I bought that, and I was like, "This is amazing." And do you know what? I've never played that to anybody, and they've not gone, "What's this?" Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "I was Jamie Wong," and they're like, 
I've not heard of him. I was like, no, no one has. And it's yeah. like, but then I think once you hear him, that's like, right, I need to find out more about this guy. And yeah. and I just think, you know, the the critics love him. and mm. But yeah, like you say, he doesn't seem to want to walk the path of a, of a of a of a of a cool kind of pop star indie star whatever he he just does his thing and and you know unfortunately I think like it means a lot of people are missing out on him because it's it's yeah. it's, it's criminal his music's so good and mm-hmm. yeah but I mean that that track you said but what's that that's probably seven eight years old now isn't it yeah it is right. I, it must be about seven years old yeah yeah I completely agree with you I think most people don't know who he is yeah. but he's he, maybe that's his charm though as well for me i mean i don't know how successful successful he wants to be but yeah. but he's just staying in his lane yeah. doesn't care whatever happens and yeah. he's just creating amazing music and the fact he you know he, it is produced by david kumu mm. it's the perfect pairing of two yeah. geniuses for me too perfect choice Okay, well, look, we've already shouted at Jamie Woon, who not a lot of people know. So um, you're getting two stabs at this. So tell me a song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear for your last track, please. Um, this one, I um, I wondered if people do actually know this song, but it was very new to me, and I'm a massive Burt Bacharach fan. Um, always have been, was really sad when he passed, but obviously just kind of delved straight back into his giant back catalogue and it's incredible but a song that totally escaped me was a song called something big um and i i can't remember when i first heard it i think i was in a cocktail bar somewhere and i was like i know this is but it's got burt written all over it from the get-go yeah and it's his voice obviously um but it's the crazy turnaround at the end with the horns I, I think I listened to it. I went home and listened to it about 20 times on repeat. Yeah. Um, and I think it's his best song he's ever written. Yeah. Um, and the amount of musicians I know who are obsessed with Bert. Yeah. But again, this has escaped them. So that's why this is my, the big one for me oh, that everyone should hear. You said something there that I want to touch upon, which is, um, and I went home and listened to it 20 times. Mm-hmm. Is that what you do every time you hear a song that you think, oh, my God? <laughs> Like just play it to death because yeah. I, I do that all the time. <laughs> Drive people mad. I'm just like, and if they don't get what I'm getting from it, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. no, listen again, listen again. <laughs> it's like you've got to get it because it's amazing, and that will be twenty, twenty, thirty. Like, I would literally do a whole drive somewhere just with the same song. If I'm in the car, on my own, I'm not that horrible. But like, I would like literally just play it and play it and play it and play it until I'm I've the just, same. yeah. What do you think? Totally the same. I mean, we're obviously a bit obsessive in some ways, but, <laughs> yeah. I, but I'm exactly the same. I will, um, I'll listen to something like hundreds or thousands of times. Yeah. You're, I'm the same. If I know, if I know I've got like a five hour drive yeah. and I'm obsessed with the song, I'm like, brilliant. <laughs> I can listen to this. <laughs> I can really rack up their Spotify hits just playing this one song. It's, but it, if something gets you, yeah. that's what I love that though about music. If a song gets you or like grabs you, yeah. I listen to it till I'm sick of it and that will yeah. take me a few weeks and you know hundreds of thousands of plays but I but then you always come back to it it's always then in my back catalog of yeah. my favorite things of all time my favorite songs love it love it and I'm also always intrigued um about people's listening habits if you wake up and you're feeling blue you know you just you wake up and you're just not feeling it you're feeling sad do you reach for Saturday Night Fever, Michael Jackson, and just dance and, and, and smile your way out of it? Or do you reach for something and embrace that that sort of blue feeling mm. and, and have that kind of sombre moment and, and, and feel the embrace of a, of a sad song? What do you go for? Oh, I love that. I I go for the happy option. Really? Got, I do. It's funny, I was thinking if... I love if a song catches me that makes me, that then brings me into a, like a sadness. Yeah. But if I'm feeling sad, I'll allow myself to be in that in silence. Yeah. I, I almost don't want that to be warped in any way by what I'm listening to, if that makes sense. Like just keep it. And that worked the other it, way. In so far as you wouldn't want to associate a certain song with a, a, a sad feeling there. Yes, that too. Exactly. Yeah. 
So I like to be like, okay, this is the emotion I'm feeling. Let that kind of breathe in its own way. And then I have a playlist called Spark Joy, which I'm like, it's, it's time. It's time to get out of the playlist. And then that I go to that, sing at the top of my lungs. And it's got a lot of like yacht rock, yeah. 80s power ballads. Love it. All of that good stuff. And then I'm and then I'm feeling great. Wonderful. Well, you're talking a playlist, so um, I should tell you that we put together a playlist of all the songs that you've chosen today, and obviously Amazing. we'll be putting uh, your music on there as well. Um, let's talk about that. What's happening with you? Ooh, uh, big things. It's exciting. I've got an album coming out at the end of next month yeah. on the 28th of April, which I'm really, really excited about. This. I think, uh, yeah, some songs I'm really proud that I've written on this album. So I can't wait to tour them. We've got a big European and UK tour all the way through the year, going into next year. And it's so, like I said to you before, just can't wait to get in front of audiences and play the shit out of these songs. So, Wonderful. yes, it's lots of exciting stuff on the way. Oh, that's great. And is there, if people want to keep up to speed with releases and tour dates and such, where's the best place to, to keep up to speed? Um, with releases, you follow me on Instagram or Facebook. It'll be all under Izzo Fitzroy. Um, or you can also head to my Bandcamp and my website, IzzoFitzroy.com as well. Wonderful. Well, if it's cool with you, when this comes out, we tag you in all the posts on the socials so people can go Fantastic. find you if they haven't done already. Izzo, Amazing. I've had a real, real lovely time chatting to you, mate. Thank you so me much. Me too. I'm going to press you so much. Don't go anywhere. Right. Well, Izzo was ruddy bloody lovely, wasn't she? What a wonderful chat. Um, great records. Um, loved that. Really, really enjoyed that natter. Um, so big thanks to uh, to Izzo. Thanks to Kat for um, facilitating that chat. Uh, thanks to you lot for listening. Um, like I said, uh, go and check out... Um, all the back catalogue episodes because, like I say, we're nearly at 500 episodes and you can hear me chatting to all your favourite pop stars, all your favourite rock stars, every single bloody indie band that's ever lived, um, loads of famous comedians, some amazing actors, um, Maxine Peake, David Duchovny, David Duchovny of The X-Files, go and listen to that chat, it's wonderful. Um, loads of amazing producers like Paul Oakenfield, Darren Emerson, Fatboy Slim, Butch Vig. Uh, what else? Actors, comedians, producers, DJs, bands. Yeah, that's pretty much it. But there's 500 of them. So go and have a right old rummage in that archive and they're all for free. And uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Sling us a message um, on the socials and let us know you'd like to hear me chat to. And, uh, and I'll try and make that happen. Um, I'll be back next time. In the meantime, um, be nice to each other, and I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.